but I'm super excited to be here. I love Christmas, and knowing that it's seven days away is super exciting. Me and my wife, Chantille, this year is actually the very first time I will ever see her on a Christmas Eve or a Christmas day. So I'm very excited to spend Christmas with her this year. Um, as we've been going through this Christmas series as a church, we've been talking a lot about fears. As you see on the screen now, the story that stills our fears. Now we all have fears, and I, I quickly just wanted to share a couple fears that, that I've dealt with and gone through in my life. And the first stage of fear in my life is when I was young, all the way until now. I'm kind of scared of my parents. Is any, it's, it's a healthy fear, and I love my parents. Is any, is any, but I actually wanted to do a quick, quick survey. I know some of you are older in the room, and does it ever go away? Is there ever a time when you're not afraid of your parents, at least a little bit? Okay, that does not, that does not still my fears. Everybody is telling me no. Okay, I will forever have a healthy fear of my parents. But there's one specific story that I remember being scared because I was in grade nine, and my parents got me a phone for the first time. So for all the parents out there, if your kid is younger than grade nine begging for a phone, you can now tell them, oh, Pastor Clay had to wait till grade nine. But if you're a parent out there with a kid who's older than grade nine, I'm sorry, because now they can say, well, Clay had one but in grade nine, and now they're going to be bugging you even more. So I got a phone for the first time, and I was super excited, and I would love to go camping with my family now. That'd be fun. But in grade nine, when I just got a new phone and I wanted to play video games, I couldn't care less about camping, but my parents made me go camping with them. But the best part of this was, now that I have a phone, it doesn't matter where I go, I can watch YouTube and Netflix and movies. So I spent the whole camping trip laying in the tent just watching YouTube and movies and TV shows. So I actually had a pretty decent camping trip. Um, up until about a couple days later when I was, I was laying in my room and I heard my parents on the phone and I started to wonder if maybe I was the one in trouble because MTS had called. Now, I had unlimited data, but nobody told me that this campsite was 20 minutes outside of the province. <laughs> so now my parents are getting a phone call about this phone bill from their son who just got his first phone around $2,000 for the weekend. I'm, I'm laying in my room and I know that it's about to go down. My dad is about to cut. It's, it's not going to be pretty. So my parents come in the room and they're so mad at me. They're frustrated, understandably so. And parents, you might relate to this, but they were both incredibly angry at me, but my dad was so angry at me that I think my mom almost started to feel bad for me a tiny bit. <laughs> so, now, so now I had my mom on my side kind of a little bit, but not really. So I felt a little bit better about that. But the thing that really stilled my fears was when we were at the MTS store talking to the guy and I, I was sitting in a chair with my head down, both my parents mad at me. And the only thing that could perk my head up was the MTS guy mentioning that the bill had been racked up by two cell phones. So this, the picture changes from me sitting down with my head down to both my parents yelling at me to just my mom yelling at me and my father. <laughs> so, now, so now me and my dad are sitting there together, sad, both in trouble. And I was still in trouble, but a lot less, because now my dad has now joined me. Um, and sometimes it's just nice to know that somebody is on your side, right? When you're in trouble, you're just like, I don't care who, but I'm bringing someone down with me, because I'm not doing this alone. So I'm thankful that my dad did that for me. Um, I got a little bit older, and the fear of my parents started to cool off a little bit. A bit more of a mutual respect now. I think I'm, I'm growing up. One thing that I fear that there will never be a mutual respect of is snakes. 
I'm scared of snakes. I don't like snakes. Um, any animal that Satan chooses to take form in, I, I'm a no-go on. Um, and there's one specific moment that I think of when I think of snakes, and it's that it's in my, after my first year of college, me, me and Chantille had been dating for about a year, and her family invited me on this family vacation, and I went, and I was terrified for, well, one reason. I was meeting Chantille's dad for the first time on this vacation. Um, we had been dating for a whole year, and I never met him because he's in the military and he was deployed. So now I get to meet this military father who paid for my vacation, also who I have been dating his daughter for a year already. So I was like, if this goes bad, we're in some trouble because I've invested quite a bit into this. <laughs> um, so I wanted to put on my best and kind of act cool. But it's hard to act cool when the whole trip is at Universal Studios and you're absolutely terrified of rides and roller coasters. I was, so I, I was a little nervous, and I was, trying to, I was trying to be tough and cool. So I went on this one ride. It, it's not even a scary ride. It was just like one of those 3D Harry Potter rides. But I wanted to act tough and cool until the 3D wall broke open and a 3D snake jumped out at us in the roller coaster ride. Chantille's family knew that I was afraid of snakes, so instantly they looked to the back of the room to check on me as they see the roller coaster whipping side to side and an unconscious clay's head is rocking back and forth in the back of the roller coaster. I had blacked out on this ride, and I was not as tough or as cool as I thought I was. <laughs> now, something that I have also always feared and keep fearing, and I think it's something that a lot of us can relate to, but this kind of started mostly in college. When you're at a Bible college and you live in a, a dorm room with 100 other people who all want to be pastors, sometimes there's a bit of a fear and there's competition in what others think about you. In classes, when, when 30 of you in a row have to get up and preach a message, you wonder what others think about you, if they think you're going to be a good pastor or not. So one fear that I have and I still struggle with is fearing what other people think about me sometimes. When I wear clothes, when I put on a youth night, when I coach a basketball game, you know, there's always that fear of what other people are going to think about you if you mess up or fail. And I think we can all relate to that. But it's important to remember that God gave us fears. Fears are good. Not all of them, and we're going to talk about that, but there are fears that are good, right? If we're all walking in the forest and we all run into a grizzly bear, God instilled in us to have that fear that's healthy to let us know, hey, maybe don't go try to pet that grizzly bear. It's not as cute as you think. That's a fear that's good that God gave us. We all share fears, whether that's a car crash or losing a loved one or getting eaten by a shark Whatever it is, we all, we, there are all fears that we share that God gave us. He gave us emotions, and he gave us a conscience to think and make smart decisions. And then there is unique fears. Um, my wife is celiac, so she's afraid of bread. I'm not afraid of bread. That's, that's a little bit more unique to her. We all have fears that are specific and unique to us, and they're challenging and difficult. And sometimes we feel alone. But going back to the fear that I talked about, fearing what other people think about us, I think that that is a fear that pretty much everybody in this room can relate to at least one point or another, where we are afraid of what people were going to think or say or do if we try something new or if we do what we really want. We care about our appearance, right? We want people to think we look cool. We care about our hair in the morning and our clothes, and, and we get nervous that if I wear that hoodie that I really want to wear, but it's a little bit weird, maybe people are going to think that I look weird today, even though I want to look cool today. We all have that fear, and we all care about how people think about us. Now, it's, it's become a bit of a bigger problem since the rise of social media, 
Um, we all know that social media can be very good, but it can also be pretty unhealthy at times, right? Um, in, a, in a social media where you share a lot of your lives, but you're only sharing the good parts. It's a highlight reel. Um, and when you are posting, you're only sharing your highlight reel. But when you're in your room and you're looking at social media and you're looking at other people's lives, it's hard to tell yourself that, right? It's hard to let yourself know that you're looking at someone's highlight reel. It's easier to just compare your life to their highlight reel and think, wow, my life kind of sucks compared to theirs. And then you start to feel bad and you start to make sure that your social media is a highlight reel so other people think your life is cool even though everybody is going through the same problems. There was actually a stat done recently that 73% of humans at all times are worried about other people judging them. Now that's not super easy to live in, right? It's not super fun or calming or, or an easy life to live when you are constantly worrying about other people judging you for whatever you're doing or wearing or saying. And I know it's, it seems like a big number in there, but I'm sure a lot of you in this room can relate to that, feeling like other people are judging you or thinking about you in a certain way. When I think about, when I think about this, I think about this goofy TikTok interview that they did at a college. And, and basically, they were interviewing all of these students because they had just removed the dress code at the college campus. And they did a funny interview to kind of show that people really care about fitting in and looking cool because they had removed the dress code, and they interviewed a bunch of students, getting them to talk about how excited they are that the dress code was gone. But the joke was that each and every single student they interviewed was wearing the exact same outfit because they wanted to all fit in and look cool. And, and so they were so excited that this dress code was gone, but they had just created a new dress code for themselves because they all wanted to look the same. Um, we're going through the sermon series called Story That Stills Our Fears. And in the first week, we had Trevor. And Trevor talks about Zechariah and how an angel said, do not be afraid. And then last week we had Pastor Laura and she shared about Mary and how an angel told her to not be afraid. This is an awesome story in the Bible where angels keep coming up in the Christmas story and letting people know, please do not be afraid. God has a plan. Now today I have the pleasure of bringing a new scripture to you guys and a new character in the Christmas story, um, Joseph. So we're going to be talking about chap Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 to 25 today. I'm going to read just the first part for you, and it says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Now, we, we're all, a lot of us are familiar with the Christmas story and how, and how Mary and Joseph were pledged to be married together, and, and, and then Mary became pregnant, and... I think we're all so familiar with this story that sometimes it's hard for us to realize how strange this is. I was just engaged recently, so I, I feel like I can kind of put myself in the shoes of Joseph. Now, this can get weird quickly, but... <laughs> if I, when I put myself in the shoes of Joseph, like, I think about my soon-to-be wife telling me she's pregnant. It wasn't me. You see how this can get weird quickly. <laughs> it wasn't me, and, she, and uh, apparently it's nobody else. Yes, I believe you. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I'm believing that, right? That's, that's a crazy thing. So I can understand why Joseph would be in this sense of fear and sense of confusion because his soon-to-be wife is pregnant now and they isn't, he's a little bit confused and scared right now. This was in a day and age where, um, you know, Mary being pregnant before marriage, this is in a day and age where that was very much, very much frowned upon. This is the public disgrace and shame that would be brought upon them. It would be terrible. So I'm going to continue the scripture. 
It says, because Joseph was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he planned to divorce her quietly. He's scared of what's going to happen. And to be honest, that's a little understandable. So when we continue in Scripture, we see that, but after he had considered this, after he had considered divorcing her, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. Now, of course, it's amazing because this is Joseph hearing about the fact that Mary was impregnated from the Holy Spirit and they are going to have a son and name him Jesus. And Jesus is going to be the son that saves people from their sins. This is a great thing and it's exciting for Joseph. And even though Joseph was afraid, what, how timely was it to send an angel to help him understand what is happening? God had the plan so much better for Joseph because it's easy for us to come up with our own plans when we're scared, right? It says that, that Joseph had come up with his own plan. Joseph's plan was to divorce Mary. But God had a plan for Joseph, and that plan was so much better than a divorce. Just like God has plans for you and for me that are so much better than what we would rather do to take the easy way out. God had a plan of me preaching this morning. But if it was my own plan, I probably wouldn't have showed up today. Because <laughs> I still get a little nervous and scared to do this, but God had a plan for me. And it goes the same for you. God has a plan for you. And sometimes it's easy to think about what we want and to take the easy way out. But it's important to remember that angels and God are telling us to not be afraid and that they have a better plan for us. Now Joseph woke up and he knew that this dream was real. He remembered every single bit of it and he just knew that this was not a dream. This was real. God had spoke to him. Now some of us can relate to that. Um, this is a bit of a goofier story. But when I, when I was younger, I... Um, I was at my wit's end. I could not find my Pokemon toy. I was sad. It was my favorite. Um, so I prayed to God before bed, and I said, God, please help me find my Pokemon toy. And in my dream, it felt so real. In my dream, I got up, and I walked over to the bookshelf, and I checked behind a picture frame, and I found my Pokemon toy, and I was happy. And when I woke up, I went over to the bookshelf, and I looked behind the picture frame, and I found my Pokemon toy. And of course, that's kind of a bit of a goofier one than, uh, than raising the Son of God as a, you know. <laughs> um, but I also think it's kind of cool because I think God cares about children and I think God cares about what they want. Um, God brings comfort to children, to us, to everybody when we're scared, just like he brought comfort to Joseph. Now, I'm sure Joseph still wasn't totally comfortable. There's a lot to be scared of. Your soon-to-be wife is now pregnant, and there will be some public shame. And one thing I think that we don't talk about enough is, can you imagine the pressure of being told that you are going to raise the Son of God? That you are going to parent the Son of God? That, would that not be terrifying? I think about the babies that come to church on Sunday, and, and they're getting handed around to everybody. Everyone's getting a chance to hold the baby. If I was responsible for the Son of God, I think I would be a little bit more cautious of where my baby is. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure. There are so many scriptures in the Bible where we see people who are afraid and God tells them and reminds them to not be afraid. He stills their fears. For example, there's, there's the three boys in the furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
They're in the furnace. And God stands with them in the furnace and reminds them to not be afraid. I am with you. I think about Daniel. I think about Daniel when he's in the lion's den. Do you not think he was afraid when he's in the lion's den and they're hungry lions and everyone kind of has the idea that these lions are going to eat Daniel tonight. But Daniel trusts in God and calms those fears and Daniel comes out safe the next morning. If you know the VeggieTales version, he even thanks the lions for the pizza last night. I think about people on the boats when the waves are going crazy and then all of a sudden Jesus is walking on the waves. Would you not feel a sense of peace and calm knowing that this guy is not like the rest of us? We are okay. Fear is a good thing, but it also can become bad quickly. Fear can cripple us, and I'm sure a lot of you in this room can relate to that side of the mental health factor of fear. Now I have a quote from a, a very, very smart, famous... Matthew McConaughey. And the quote is, all right, no, sorry, wrong quote. That was a terrible joke. But Matthew McConaughey says that humans live most of their lives in crisis that has not happened. I think a lot of us can relate to this, right? The, the crisis that we live our life in is most often in our head. And we look at um, another quote from, from Jeff Vanderselt. He's talking about how fear is connected to the future. He says, Fear is not about what is happening. It is about what we believe will happen. You're afraid of what you think will happen. It's not because something is actually happening in the moment, but, but we have, have built it up in our heads so much that if I do this or if I say this, this is going to happen. We convince ourselves that it's going to go wrong and it's going to go bad. Maybe you're afraid to try a new hairstyle because you've convinced yourself that someone's not going to like it and you're going to feel bad. Maybe you're Maybe you've convinced yourself that if you pray out loud at church or, or with your friends that people are going to laugh at your prayer or, or think that it wasn't a good prayer. Maybe you've convinced yourself of that and kept yourself from stepping out and praying. Maybe just recently you, you've convinced yourself that if you asked somebody to join a coffee club with you that they would say no and you'd be rejected. Maybe you convinced yourself that and you let the fear take over. Now we see that Joseph was afraid, but God had better plans, just like he has better plans for you. Jeff Vanderstel also talks about, he says that we fear what we love in the idea of losing it. When you love something so much, you're so afraid to lose it that that can almost become crippling. And I can't relate because I'm not a parent, but I'm sure people are going to bug me after Pastor Trevor talked about how we want more babies in the church. I'm sure everyone was thinking about me, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but... He talks about children, and he talks, Jeff Vanderstelt in the book, he talks about children, and he talks about as parents, you love your children so much that, that you have such a fear of losing them or things going wrong in the lives of your children that it can almost actually hold you back from parenting. He talks about how it's important to remember that God stills our fears and that God is the greatest parent, is he not? It's important to remember that God is the best parent, and even though it's hard to believe sometimes, God actually loves your children more than you do which seems impossible. So he reminds us that it's important to trust God with everything in our lives, even the things we love most, our children. Give your children to God. Trust God with the things you love the most. Now, when I, when I, when I think about that study that they did at the college, talking about um, taking rid of the school dress code and letting everybody wear what they want, but they all still wear the same thing. When I think about that, I kind of think about the kingdom of God, and I think about church, and I think about the idea of all the different giftings and the talents that we have in this church and how we need each and every single person's unique talent and gifting. If we all just wanted to fit in, then, 
then that wouldn't work, right? If our staff just all tried to copy and have the same exact giftings and skills as Pastor Mike, that wouldn't work. We don't want everybody in this church to try to match and have the same giftings as Pastor Mike or Pastor Laura or Pastor Trevor or me. We need each and every single unique individual gift that you guys have. So God reminds you to not be afraid to not fear what might happen, but trust in him that he's given you that gift for a reason and that you can use it. When I think about the idea of fear and, and us being reminded to not fear, I actually think of one of our church values. We have a church value and it's called going out on a limb. And the idea of this value is that we need to take risk and not be afraid because when you, when you think about a tree, where's the fruit? It's out on the branches. It's not by the safe, sturdy trunk but it's out on the branches. If you want the fruit, you gotta climb, and you gotta be willing to go out on the scary branches. So I think about that value, and I think about the idea of fear, that we're gonna to have to step out of our comfort zone to get to where we wanna go. Reach for the fruit. Maybe some of you fear what people will think or say or respond when you ask them, hey, would you like to go to church this weekend? And not because you're doing it and it's scary, but because you're scared that Maybe if I ask them, they won't want to be my friend anymore, or they'll be so upset, or they'll get mad at me for asking them. And I think this is pretty timely because with a Christmas Eve service coming up so soon, there's no better time to invite your friends and family to join you. I also think it's important that I think about at fall retreat with the youth this year, we had, a, we had an awesome guest speaker, and he kind of shared a lot about how he shares his faith and going to church with his friends. And he kind of did a really good job of reassuring the youth it's not as bad as you think. Nobody's going to yell at you. Nobody's going to tell you to shut up or get mad at you for sharing their faith. People are actually pretty respectful. And I think in our minds, we build it up to be much worse than it will be. Now, something that's super important to remember when talking about fear, and when I think about this and when I remember this, I find it is when I am fearing the least in my life. And it's important to remember that God is on our side. I think sometimes we forget that, right? But God is on our side. We are reminded again and again in Scripture to not be afraid. It's important to remember that God is on our side. We are on the winning team. We have Scripture. We know how this ends. I think about the tree of renewal. We know that things will be made new again. We were on the side of the most all-powerful creator of the universe. He's on our side. He wants what's best for us. God is here. He is with you. Now, I want to go back to the scripture that we've been looking at, and we're going to read the last little bit of it. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the Lord commanded him. He took Mary home as his wife. They did not consummate the birth of the they did not consummate their marriage until the birth of the child. They named him Jesus. The Savior is here. In the midst of the fear and in the midst of the commandments, do not be afraid. And maybe in the midst of even this message, feeling the conviction of being afraid. What's most important is to remember that the end of this scripture ends in a way that we need to follow. The story is, a, is not whole if it's not the end. We see that Joseph is afraid in the beginning and he has his own plan. And then we see that God brings comfort and peace and brings his plan. 
But the most important part is the response from Joseph. What are we talking about if there's no response? Joseph responds in obedience. He listens and he trusts and he is faithful to God. God says it'll be okay, do not be afraid, name him Jesus. And Joseph takes Mary home, names the baby Jesus. He responds in obedience. We are safe, the Savior is here. Jesus was born, he was here on earth, he is still here today, and again, one day he will return. Take peace in that and do not be afraid. Let's worship together. Can we stand? We've been singing this the last uh, few weeks together in response, and I'm no longer a slave to fear. Let's sing that chorus together. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child. towards a conclusion in our gathering today, I'm going to invite our prayer ministry team to come forward right now. One of the things that we are growing in the habit of doing is making sure that there is an opportunity every Sunday for you to receive prayer from someone before you leave. When you receive prayer, it doesn't mean that your life's a mess and you're a problem and everybody's watching. It means that you're human. This Christmas season, the story that stills all our fears. The subject matter is not an accident. I think it means that God wants to deal with things that you're afraid of. And if you're afraid of stuff, welcome to our church. We're all afraid of stuff. The great news is how that passage that Pastor Clay read ends. He was given the name Jesus. Our world is full of all kind of coping mechanisms to try to do with deal away, you know, deal with and do away with our fears. And there's great, you know, philosophical approaches and psychological approaches and counseling and all kinds of other things, community this and approach that and self-help book, you know, by whatever name. What's so wonderful about Christmas is that if God is real, he doesn't look at us in our fears and say, well, I hope you go to Indigo or find a good book on Amazon. If you get a good enough counselor, you'll be lucky and you'll, 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 
you maybe have a chance to get through some of this. No, it's God's way of saying, I'm coming as close as possible. I wanna be as personal and as relatable as possible. The way for you to overcome fear has a name, Jesus. So if you've been a lifelong follower of Jesus and there's fear in your life still, it means you're human and it means that there's still hope. It's hope in Jesus. If you're just sort of exploring how life works and maybe even how faith works and you have fear, I wanna introduce you to this idea that Jesus is the perfect love of God that has all the power and potential to actually help you in grappling with fear. I wanna lead us in a prayer as we conclude our service today. And then as I dismiss, if you're in need of prayer, just somebody to say, you know, I'll reach out to God with you for whatever it is you're dealing with. These team members would love to pray with you today. Let's pray right now. Father, I thank you for every person gathered in this room right now, every person joining us online at home or wherever they are. You are so aware of the things in our lives that we're afraid of the public fears, the obvious fears, and then the super secret fears that nobody, not even our spouse knows of. And you care, and we thank you. Christmas reminds us that your name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so I ask for each person here, lifelong follower of Jesus or spiritual seeker, or maybe just indifferent atheist, whatever category they find themselves in, you care for their fears. And I'm asking for the presence of your spirit to calm their fears, to bring hope, perfect love in Jesus' name. We pray this together and everyone said, amen. I hope that as we read this passage earlier in the service about overflowing with hope, that as you go into your week today, as we return into God's world on his mission, that you would overflow with his hope, that you would bring his words, his ways, his message, his ministry into the everyday stuff of life this week. Jesus is the hope of the world and you carry him. Let's go in that faith and trust together. Amen. Have a wonderful week. And uh, maybe you, you want to see the kids choir again. You're allowed to stay for the second service if you want to. Please, if there is something you're grappling with today, pray with somebody you came with or come forward and receive prayer from one of our great team members. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.